It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the Sunday morning edition. It'll be afternoon by the time you get this. Justin Ferguson checking in from still in New York, still uh, in New York from Auburn's basketball wins this week over Notre Dame and St. Bonaventure. We will talk about those in the second half of the show. Um, also joining me, Dan Peck uh, from the Dan Peck Multimedia Empire. Dan, you're on the road with the Troy women's basketball team, so you might have to duck out a little early in this podcast. So if you stop hearing Dan, that's why. Uh, but Dan, I, let's we're gonna have to try to make sense of <laughs> what happened uh, Saturday in Jordan Hare. Actually, I think it can make a lot of sense. Uh, but how how are we doing, Dan? I'm I'm doing all right, and, I, and I'll start it this way. Like I, I get how disappointed. Uh, Auburn folks are it's a it's a bad loss you know it's it's one of the one of the worst in recent memory as someone who is here with a Sunbelt team trying to pull off an upset over a storied SEC program uh, at Thompson Bowling uh, later today like I think it's um, it's reassuring to see games like this and remember it's not it's not a given that the SEC team favored by a bunch of points is just going to be able to take care of business. No problem. Uh, you know, there's still a, there's still a game to be played. And you know, I think Auburn was on the, the wrong side of that piece of advice uh, yesterday, but you know, what a, what a performance by, I mean, we're not, we're not the new Mexico state observer, but right. what, what a performance by new Mexico state to, uh, to go in there against all odds and take care of business. Also checking in from the pit, podcast engineer, editor, writing editor, extraordinaire, man about town, renaissance man, Mr. Painter Sharpless. Painter, don't think any of, any of us had uh, what happened yesterday. I don't think anybody saw that coming. It is the second week in a row in which my expectation, or if you want to call it such a prediction, has been very wrong uh, mm -hmm. to the tune of very different outcomes. Yeah, let's just, hey, bat lead off here. Auburn lost by 21 points to New Mexico State. That's right. If you're listening to this, you already know that for the most part, but just in case you haven't, 31 to 10. Um, I, I'm willing to call this the worst loss in program history because of uh, who it came against. New Mexico State um, was a sizable underdog in this one, 23, 24 points, somewhere in that neighborhood. They were the better team the whole way. Um, Auburn tied it up in the first half, but after that, never really did a whole lot. Um, this game was dictated by the Aggies, and they took it. They had an excellent game plan. They were the team in this game. Coming into this game, there's a stat that they had taken the lo longest amount of time between plays of any team in college football. So they were like chew clock masters in this game, and they and they did it. And they have an offense that is moving the ball very well, playing with a lot of confidence here, winning six games in a row. And they just kept nickel and diamond Auburn up the field and getting the third down conversions, getting the first downs, being bold and aggressive on certain play calls. And they just they just kept walking down the field. And Auburn didn't get very many possessions as a result, but they didn't do anything with the possessions that they did get. And this is, I mean, right off the top, you just got to say it. This is a total team Meltdown of a loss. Um, you start with the coaching. You start with Hugh Freeze and his staff. And you point out just the simple fact of this. 
This is a team in New Mexico State that lost to a UMass team that you beat earlier this season. Um, Freeze, as a lot of people pointed out, lost to New Mexico State badly last year as a big favorite. This this year, that same Liberty team, um, now coached uh, by Jamie Chadwell, um, beat this very New Mexico State team. Now, New Mexico State, I could argue that New Mexico State was the best team that Auburn has played in the last four weeks because Mississippi State's already lost. You already fired their head coach. Vanderbilt probably should. They're gonna they're gonna finish this season with on a ten game losing streak more than likely. And then Arkansas probably should part ways with their head coach as well. None of those schools had any sort of momentum. Now they have SEC rosters, or at least in the case of State and Arkansas. They have SEC rosters. They have players. But Auburn took care of business with teams that just didn't have a lot of life at that point in the year. New Mexico State did. They had won six in a row. They're going to play in the Conference USA Championship game. This is their one big shot. I mean, we had talked about it all the week. Yeah, New Mexico State's looked good. They hadn't played any big team yet. This was their one shot. And they proved like they belong. And they had momentum. And they came in really, really fearless in this game. So you can put all that in there into perspective and say, yes, you know, hey, this this could have been the toughest of the teams Auburn played in the last four games just because of the direction that New Mexico State was heading. But they lost by 21 points. This it wasn't this isn't Jacksonville State. This isn't Georgia State. This isn't Utah State. This isn't even the losses to South Florida or Southern Miss, um, you know, from the last 30 years or so. You know, Auburn either won those games or lost close. They just got worked. And in every as- every aspect of this game, you look at it, New Mexico State was just a better team every phase, and it wasn't particularly close either. And, Dan, I think that's the crazy thing about this game is you can look back at it and you can't even say, like, well, if this would have changed or this would have happened, you know, you know, uh, hey, missed opportunity here or something like that. You know, no, 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 no. Auburn on multiple drives in this game on both sides of the ball just got outworked and outplayed by New Mexico State. And that is alarming, not because it I think it erases everything Auburn has done to this point this year, but it's like, wow, I mean, like that you shouldn't you shouldn't be in that position at all if you're a team like Auburn. And it's somewhat inexplicable after Auburn had won a couple of SEC games and played other SEC games where Auburn didn't come away as the winner, but the game itself was far more competitive than Saturday's game. They play, they play better against Georgia, a team that's breaking every record right now for like win, winning streak and has got their eyes set on maybe a third straight national title. They played that game tougher than this one. That's insane. That's insane to think about. No, it really is, and it's it's not something that, in part because it was such a it was it was so complete a performance by both teams yesterday, New Mexico State positively and and Auburn uh, negatively that it's hard to yeah it's hard to to break. I mean, we've been able to focus in on a position or two after pretty much every game Auburn's played and had somewhere to start. Often it was quarterback, but. Across across offense and defense, we've been able to single out, this is something that went really well, or this is something that went really well for the other team. I don't even know where to start, Justin, with, with a game like that, because you're right. I mean, New Mexico State came in, like, I think if 
if you ignored the jerseys and showed that game to someone who hadn't watched college football this year, I'm not sure they would have been able to tell you Auburn was the major conference team. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's the big, that's the big issue is that, I mean, players said after the game that they came out flat. I mean, they obviously came out flat. I think there were three different guys who talked after the game that said that New Mexico state wanted it more. And that's the thing, right? Like, you can chalk up a lot of what Auburn did yesterday, if you could chalk up a lot of what Auburn did yesterday. Said, "Hey, they were flat, uninspired, unmotivated, all that stuff." And then they got they got whooped by a team that that you know really had a really good game plan and, and got to play at their best. Even if you explain all that as that, right? That reflects really poorly on a team and a coaching staff that had spent all week saying. Hey, we got to take this team seriously. Hey, we got to, you know, we know that New Mexico State's playing with momentum. Hey, we know this team's dangerous. Freeze himself lost badly last season to New Mexico State with Liberty. Um, and then to go out there and just not do it at all is pretty bad. And like, we'll talk, we'll preview the Iron Bowl later this week. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Auburn plays better in the Iron Bowl because it's the iron bowl in Jordan Hare stadium. And you need to, I mean, it's easy to get geared up for that one. As Jalen Simpson said afterwards. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you, you come at, you come out of a game like this and you're like, okay, what happened to all of this talk of, we're going to take this thing seriously. Um, you know, we, we can't, we can't overlook New Mexico state one game at a time, all that. And then you looked on the field, like a team who wasn't ready for it. And the other team wanted it more, and your players even said as much after the game. That's the thing where it's just like, okay, what happened? Where's the disconnect there? And it can't just be lip service in a press conference during the week. You actually got to go out there and do it. The teams that are consistently great in college football, sure, they may have close calls. Sure, they might have have games um, where they don't play as well, but they take care of business kind of routinely. And you're not seeing that. You you didn't see that from Auburn in a game that they absolutely needed to to get just to keep the momentum rolling for the Iron Bowl. And once Auburn fell down ten, right? Or once once you get into the second half and it's a seventeen seven game, you know you keep you, you keep thinking. Well, I've I've seen major conference opposition come back in mm-hmm. games like this. I've seen Auburn come back in situations where they were down 10 to a visiting underdog and time was increasingly a, a problem. Uh, it just never, it never kicked into gear for Auburn and New Mexico state never, never made the mistake or two that would have gotten Auburn back into a, a, a game like that. No, I mean, not, not at all. And, and that is, that is, that is a pretty, telling point for this team it's just that yeah no they haven't arrived so Eugene Asante said after the game maybe we got too comfortable yeah you haven't arrived just beating three bad teams you know as as well as you looked in, in some of those games especially last week against Arkansas you haven't arrived and this team got swiftly shown like where they really sit and where they really stand because um you know, we've seen Auburn be able to sleepwalk to wins like this before. They they sleptwalked in a loss, and it was really, really rough. 
I think it's one thing if you just like, hey, you come so close and so close and like, oh, you just fell short at the end of making a comeback. Oh, you almost did. When you lose about 21 to a team like New Mexico State, but to a Conference USA team, I mean, I, I watched this game with some Auburn fans uh, up here in New York on Saturday, and it was like a lot A lot of it was just kind of – they were just kind of quiet and like, eh. It never really seemed to get into like competitive gear, and that's that's kind of deflating, I would I would have to imagine. And and I think the big problem is, is that, you know, Freeze has had this – in the last couple of years – his last couple of years at Liberty, he had these really tough – lost to – Louisiana Monroe is a really big favorite. Lost to uh, New Mexico State is a really big favorite. And now New Mexico State again is a really big favorite. Like that's something where you're just like the alarm bells need to be going off a little bit in your head. And here's the thing. And I I don't know how, I mean, both of y'all tell me if I'm insane here or not. And I wrote about this a little bit in the observations that came out on Sunday morning. But in the grand scheme of things, this loss might not be that big of a deal to the program, right? Is it very embarrassing? Yes, it's potentially the worst loss you've had in program history. Is it a sign that things uh, can all just be fixed by recruiting better players? Absolutely. You had better players in New Mexico State, and you still lost to them by, by 21 points. Recruiting is not going to just magically fix every problem Auburn has, and that's something they've got to they've got a key on. on. But you're, go- you're bowl eligible. The way the other SEC games worked out yesterday and how they probably will work out in the final week of the season, your bowl locations are probably set. You know, the potential of being in that that pool of six is is where that's going to be. And we all knew that the rebuild was going to be dependent on recruiting. As much as I just said, it's not all about recruiting, but a lot of it's depending on recruiting. And one bad loss isn't going to just derail everything in that. Um you know, don't you don't want to overreact to, to how bad it looked because that's just not how recruiting works, and that's not how that's not how guys who visit or guys who watch games handle these kind of things. Usually, when they make their big decisions, they don't do it based off of one performance, good or bad. You know, you you can look at there and say, like, in the grand scheme of things, it might just be an embarrassing footnote to the Hugh Freeze era when it's all said and done. However. You had an opportunity to take momentum here, and it obviously doesn't help. And you get the buy-in that you can have from players, coaches, or, or players, recruits, fans, and maybe coaches as well. Um, everybody just kind of buying into what you're selling as a, as a team. It doesn't help when you lose something like this when you had an opportunity to have some momentum. If you win this game and you go into the Iron Bowl and you play competitively you can see that you're heading in the right direction. And one loss like this doesn't derail all of it. I think Auburn had played better the last few weeks of the season, and I even wrote about why on paper you could see how Auburn looked better. But it is it is a huge missed opportunity, and you wonder, depending on what happens next week in the Iron Bowl, like how does this impact kind of the trajectory? It could end up meaning nothing. You know, it could end up just being, hey, this was a really bad, embarrassing one-off performance. But you don't want it, you know, you you don't want that to kind of become a theme. Or, you know, additionally, you don't want it to take away the progress you might have made this season. This this game for thinking that no, no, this game is not proof that Auburn is going five and seven next year. This game is not you know proof that Auburn is is going to underwhelm in Hugh Freeze's second year. I don't know 
how Hugh Freeze's second year is going to go. Right. Right. If if Auburn disappoints next season, I think you point to the loss to New Mexico State in year one and say there's still some water slipping through the dam. You know, this thing is not airtight quite yet. And if it starts to crumble in year two, and I don't think it will. Um, I suspect that Hugh Freeze will have a more talented roster next year than he does this year. And coaches in general are better in year two than they are in year one most of the time in college football. There are some notable examples of programs where things got worse in year two. Sometimes coaches don't see year three because things got so much worse in year two. But like if if things start to if things start to trend in the wrong direction in Hugh Freeze's second year, it will be hard not to point to the New Mexico State game as evidence that there were warning signs even late into the year. Because I think one of the things we'd been talking about with Hugh Freeze in comparison to some other coaches in college football in their first year or in their second year at a program is you felt like there was evidence on the field, not in recruiting, not when people talk about the vibes of the locker room, you felt like there was evidence on the field that things were getting better. And a lot of that went into a ditch on Saturday, right? Like a yeah. lot of the a lot of the, the the evidence that on the field this thing was improving compared to where it had been in recent years, a lot of that is 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 now uh, is now over because Auburn uh, laid such an egg against New Mexico State. And like I said, like if you can just say, "Hey, well, Auburn needs to get better players." Look, the wide receivers had a bad game, and, and Freeze talked about how their runner outs in slow motion and all that offensive line did not play well at all. Got beaten pretty thoroughly at the line of scrimmage in this game. You didn't have enough difference makers on defense in this one. All that, like this game, proved that like if you just get better recruits on paper, that isn't going to make make sure that everything's okay. Right. And that's that's a thing that you just like you're saying, the alarm bells can kind of go off in your head a little bit. It's like, okay, what are you going to do as a team, as a coaching staff, as a program to make sure that you don't do do this again? Because if you do recruit better moving forward, you will have more opportunities where you are the favorite, where you are the clear favorite. And you just have to take care of business. We're going to talk about Auburn basketball here uh, in the second half of the show. Auburn was a clear favorite away from home against Notre Dame and St. Bonaventure. And it wasn't always pretty, but they just took care of business and got it done. And that's the sign of a great program. And for Auburn, look, you had done really well the last three weeks. And this loss to New Mexico State doesn't wipe away what you did at Arkansas, what you did against Vanderbilt, what you did against Mississippi State. Even playing the most competitive game that you've played against Georgia in years, like that, that doesn't wipe it away. But you look up and say, it, there's just so many things about this game where it's like you looked so much different than you had had recently. Like New Mexico State was only the second team all year to score more than 30 on Auburn. Auburn's defense could not – Auburn's defense, the team that just gets off the field and gets stops, gave up a lot of first downs, a lot of – couldn't get off the field, big plays, to New Mexico State, a team that – does not have the talent of teams you're going to be playing year in and year out in the SEC. And again, like I said, 
you might be able to sit here and say, well, New Mexico State is probably a better team right now than Mississippi State, than Arkansas, than Vanderbilt. I I, I could be right there with you. I could easily be right there with you, and I probably am. But is New Mexico State better than Ole Miss, a team that you strung together a ton of stops against at home? They're definitely not better than Georgia. Um, so it's like you you have played better against better competition. And that's the thing about this game on Saturday that I think is really telling about where Auburn was is that even if you strip away who the opponent is, just what they did. I mean, how about how the penalties in this game for Auburn? And I know New Mexico State had more, but Auburn's were more dangerous and more and more devastating. Uh, you look at penalty EPA in this game. Auburn had almost four times, or I, actually, I think, yeah, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less than that. Auburn's Auburn's penalty EPA was a lot worse than New Mexico State's because New Mexico State's they were able to either overcome their penalties or it just really didn't matter. Auburn's all just came at really just tough, tough times for this for this offense. And like again, you could sit here the last few weeks and say, hey, Auburn's offensive line has played better. I know it was kind of popular yesterday when Auburn's offensive line was struggling to say, well, they were doing this all year. No, they killed Arkansas at the line of scrimmage last week. It happened. I I, I was there. They crushed that team. They just reverted back to what they had looked like in last, 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 I don't know, earlier in the year, last few years. And you can't do that against a team that is less talented than you because that can show some big-time problems if, moving forward. If you want to chalk this up to, hey, they weren't focused, hey, they weren't ready to play, hey, they came out flat, all right, what are you going to do to prevent that from happening moving forward? Because like I said, under Freeze, he's had one of these losses each of the last few years, and that's something that's got to change about him. Yes, Hugh Freeze has had great passing offenses in his history. He has been able to pull off big upsets in his history. You know, He has been able to take teams and help push them into new heights as a program in his history. All those things are true, and those are all on-paper football reasons why John Cohen and the or, or the, the powers that be at Auburn um, decided uh, to hire Hugh Freeze as their head football coach. All of those things are true, but there's also some negative things like this in mind where you, you lose some of these games that you shouldn't lose, and they've got to figure out ways to overcome them. And like I said, Dan, it's not as easy as snapping your fingers and say, well, we'll get better players. You had better players in New Mexico State yesterday, and it still didn't matter. They worked you. Yeah, no, I, I think that when you're looking at overall improvement from one season to the next, I think getting better players is going to be part of it. Like if, if Auburn is going to have better seasons than the one this year, there's going to be a focus on recruiting. There's going to be, you know, sure. some of the some of the positions Absolutely, yes. Hugh Freeze has talked about all year. Are positions where yeah he's going to need to he's going to need to focus on that that's that's certainly going to be part of it. A game like the one on Saturday, though, like you said, Justin, can't just be. It's not just about recruiting. It's not just about what Auburn was or wasn't able to do to to bring in talent. Because I mean, and and I guess you could you could argue if the thirty one points from New Mexico State is is more concerning than the ten points. From Auburn, there's there's ways to look at it. What's stunning to me is so often in these kind of games, if the group of five team is going to pull off the upset, there are turnovers they take advantage of, or there are big special. I mean, I guess there is the big fake punt on uh, in, in the fourth quarter, but they were already up ten or uh, uh, by you know multiple scores New, by that point. New Mexico State had four ten plus play drives 
in, mm. in this game. And that's something you don't expect a group of five teams to do against a power conference team with a pulse, right? Is, is you don't expect four different times they hold the ball. I mean, let's get the, it was the, the touchdown drive to open the game was five and a half minutes. The, uh, field of the actually the next drive was six and a half minutes. The with ends in a punt. The field goal drive at the end of the first half for New Mexico State was six plus minutes. The touchdown drive to open the second half was five and a half minutes. The touchdown drive to make it 24 7 was nearly 10 minutes. They had 16 plays on that drive and then they kept the ball uh, for another three and a half minutes on the touchdown at the end. Auburn could not get them off the field. That's the thing that really surprised me from this game. Like Auburn's offense reverting to some struggles. Yeah, I mean, not surprised. Even though New Mexico State's defense isn't isn't like fantastic by any means, they were just a solid middle of the road defense in the FBS this year. It's just this defense had been playing really good ball for most of the season, and they didn't in this game. And it's like, okay, can you pinpoint why? Now, was what New Mexico State was doing work? Working? Yeah, absolutely. It was a great game plan. Get the ball on the perimeter, avoid Auburn's defensive line, avoid the pass rush, work the clock, get those little four, five, six-yard plays, boom, boom, boom. Auburn didn't tackle well. They were out of alignment. The effort and the intensity was obviously not there in this game. The body language was not great. And, yeah, I mean, like, there's a tendency, like, there's a tendency to, to to make everything like, oh, was it this or this? You know, was it effort or was it execution? Was it the coaches or was it the players? And I feel like we love a binary. You know, our brains are wired to have one or the other um, when it comes to a lot of these things. And I and and the truth is usually somewhere towards the middle in a lot of these things. In this game, it's a giant Venn diagram of yeah, everything went bad in this one. Um, the coaches who were paid millions of dollars to get this team geared up and ready to play. They obviously weren't ready to play. Now, do there's a responsibility fall on the players for not playing? And like, do you need to do that yourselves and and have that kind of leadership and that intensity and that kind of fire in a game like this? Yes, but it's an all it's 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 everything. We talked about this so many times during the Harson era, towards the end of the Gus Malzahn era. When everything looks like that, when when it looks like this, when it looks this bad, you can't just pinpoint it on one thing. Like you said, Dan, like you can't just sit here and say, well. You know, is it the offense? What what was the one position group that changed everything? What was the one, you know, one moment or one series or something? You can't. You got beat by 21 by New Mexico State. That's an everybody issue. That's an everybody issue. And, you know, Painter, I am fully willing to expect next week in the Iron Bowl, Auburn to play a better game against Alabama because I think a lot of that effort and intensity goes out the window when you're playing the Crimson Tide in Jordan Hare Stadium. But you this did show that you have not arrived and Auburn is going to have to rebound in a monstrous way to still be competitive with Alabama in this one. In the preview show I mentioned that it seemed like this game would be closer than the Arkansas game given how sure. well yeah. Auburn had played. Obviously I was not expecting the result that we got. But yeah, you know, funny enough and I don't think many fans will be surprised. I've seen other people talking about this, and I would agree with them. Auburn, at least on the scoreboard, will probably play a better game against one of the top teams in the country on Saturday. It's it's a weird sport, and every Saturday, as you point out frequently, is different. 
it's not going to be a surprise if the scoreboard looks closer against an Alabama team that's fighting for its playoff life. Yeah, and it's like I saw a Brian Harson coach team with a one-legged backup quarterback should have beaten Alabama the last time they were in Jordan Hare Stadium. So even as bad as this looked on Saturday against New Mexico State, and it once again a complete failure uh, for Auburn and one of, if not the worst loss in modern program history, you can turn around and and be really competitive against Alabama and get the crowd back into it. I'm not saying all is forgiven. People are still going to remember this. You know, people still point out <laughs> that was the other thing. People still point out that Saban lost to Louisiana Monroe. And, and, you know, Kirby Smart lost to Vanderbilt in year ones of their respective play. Here's the thing about that, though. Those games were close. Those games were competitive. Auburn did not really feel competitive in this game for most most of the way in this one. And that's the real troubling one, troubling thing that you have there. You know, like you said, Dan, you can chalk up a lot of this in, in, in games where you pull off the upset, where you're like, hey, we caught that break, or, you know, we got this player right here, this player right here, or this, this, this turnover changed a lot. Auburn didn't have a lot of turnovers. Peyton Thornton didn't throw a lot of incompletions. You just got whooped. The running game couldn't couldn't move the ball uh, on the ground at all. I mean, Jarquez Hunter and and Demari Austin they didn't get very many opportunities to run the ball because of the way the game went. But like even when they did, just no success there, hardly at all. Um, and then on the flip side, this was the other thing: New Mexico State, especially once they had Auburn spread out, they started gashing them underneath. All their running backs had really good days uh, as well. The quarterbacks didn't even really run the ball super well against Auburn. Um, it's just they just kind of got into a groove where they were just doing whatever they wanted. And this is just a very long roundabout way of saying it's like this was this was like a big time. You can't just say, well, if this would have happened or this would have happened, it you know, it would have changed. No, you just you just got beat in all three phases pretty pretty handily. And I think one of the big telling ones from this game was the the fake punt. You're coming out of a quarter break. Be aware for it. Be ready for it. And if Auburn was prepared, I mean, Free said after the game that they had talked about it. If they were looking for it, if they were getting ready for it, it didn't show like it on the field because everybody kind of dove in and played right into what New Mexico State's hands were. Nobody was kind of sitting back and spying. It was just a full rush ahead, and New Mexico State had the perfect call just to scheme it up and, and get that first down and, and, and pretty much put the game away from there. I am I am curious to see if New Mexico State has provided a blueprint defensively for what teams should try to do against what Auburn had had working these last couple of weeks. I mean, New Mexico State seemed comfortable letting Peyton Thorne run the ball as long as they you know had had the the running backs sort of bottled up. Auburn's running backs go nine for twenty seven in in the game as a as a group. Eight of those nine carries. Our Jarquez Hunter, a uh, one carry for uh, for Demari, according to the uh, according to the official stats. I mean, that's something. I mean, if a team can force Auburn, and you can, I mean, I guess force is a uh, one way of asking, but if a team can team can pressure Auburn into a situation where Auburn's only giving the ball to the running backs nine times, and uh, Auburn's running backs do not have a ten plus rush, ten plus yard run in the entire game. I mean that's that's going to be tough against any SEC team. We just saw it. Uh, we just saw a Conference USA team handle Auburn uh, when uh, when when that was happening. And I do wonder if uh, if Auburn, you know, has to go back to the drawing board a little bit uh, and and think. Well, some of the things that worked 
during that win streak didn't work against New Mexico State, and you got to question whether or not they're going to work against Alabama. Right. I mean, you have to play a lot better. And, like, Auburn has played a lot better this year at times. I just, again, like, that's the thing where it's like you don't want to overreact to one game and you don't want to underreact to it either. But the team that crushed Arkansas, you know, two weeks ago, is not the same team that played yesterday against New Mexico State. The same team that I think gave Georgia a real game for the first time in a while is not the same team that played yesterday. And, like, if you – you got to figure out how to get back to that. And if you can just say, hey, you were flat, you were uninspired, and that was the – like, New Mexico State is the worst team in the world to do that against because they are going to hold on to the ball and keep it for dear life. Like, even if you want to explain a lot of what happened yesterday as that, and, you know, that's reasonable somewhat. It doesn't reflect well on anybody involved, especially the head coaches or or just the coaches in general. I should say there's only one head coach. Um, you know, you've got to figure out a way to get that back because the issues of execution, uh, stuff, the, the penalties and stuff like that, like go back to the line of scrimmage, you know, offensive line. If your offensive line reverts like this against New Mexico State, what are they going to do next week? It's fair to ask, what are they going to do next week when they play an Alabama team that is strong up front? That's got a really good defense. And I know Alabama's offensive front has had their issues this season. But like a lot of their problems they had earlier in the year feel like they have gotten ironed out decently over the last few weeks. And Auburn just didn't really make much of an impact in this game on defense, and they were out of position, and the tackling was bad, and the and the alignment was bad. A lot of this early season stuff popped back up for them. And it's like, were they sleepwalking in this game? Even if they were sleepwalking, that doesn't excuse getting beat by 21. Like, it, it's just... Again, it's like we're talking in circles a little bit here, just damn, because this is just, it's just a baffling game. Even if it ends up not meeting a huge thing over the, in the grand scheme of things, except for just a bad loss that people will point back to and say, wow, that was really ugly, wasn't it? Um, even if that, even if it all ultimately just ends up being that, like, it's still one of those things where it's like, it's fair to question what's going to happen moving forward. Yeah, and, and again, not to not to try to deflect it away from Auburn because a lot of this loss is about what Auburn was unable to do against New Mexico State. But I mean, I I mean there there were a couple of gutty performances. That New Mexico State quarterback, it felt like over and over again on third and fourth down, right? Like it it was, you know, he he would he would make low percentage plays happen, right? He was able to get things going down the field and and execute in a way where Auburn's defense had been able to get stops, you know, that you'd think about Auburn on third and long or Auburn in the red zone. Like these, these are places where that defense had been able to be at its best. And often against New Mexico state, that's when things got worse. And yeah, I mean, some of that's about Auburn. I can't help but think some of that's about the opponent playing really, really well. And, uh, and, and sometimes you run into, sometimes you run into a guy who, who keeps rolling seven. Sure. And, and again, I, I think this is different. Like New Mexico State is a different team. You know, they're bad Auburn teams that have just blown out these these November games before. I think New Mexico State is a better team than a lot of those teams Auburn played, but still Auburn had played like a better team, period. This was not a team in disarray. This was not a team that didn't have a pulse at the end of the year. But you just took a lot of that 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 momentum and goodwill and energy that you had built up over the last few weeks and it completely turned on its head. Just completely went gone. And 
you can get that back next week with a, gr- a great performance against Alabama. And I don't think what happened against New Mexico State dooms you to a bad game against Alabama. You know, um, it is just one game. But, like, it is so bad and it looks so problematic that, like, it's going to stick around for, I mean, Freeze even said it after the game. Hopefully this is a game that sticks in our stomach for a while. Yeah, it probably will. And it's going to stick in the in the, in the the hearts and minds of Auburn fans for a while. And even if you get better recruits and you get things rolling, you're going to have games coming up in the future of this program where you are a big favorite and you may be in this situation again. It's like, okay, how are you going to avoid doing that again? How are you going to avoid doing that again? Because, um, you know, this you don't want this to become a theme here. It has been a theme at other stops. You don't want it to become a theme here. And you just got flat out wor- worked by a New Mexico State team that had the perfect game plan and executed it to near perfection in this one. Meanwhile, Auburn just never got to do like Dan, I think what you said at the beginning of the podcast was was pretty good. If you would have just ignored the jerseys, it would have been hard to tell who was the power conference team in this game because this game was dictated by New Mexico State. And um, next week you're playing the most talented team in the country, if not if not like you know at least one of the most talented teams in the country. And they're on a warpath, man. They win, they still have a chance to make the playoff. Right, they lose. They go into Atlanta, and they probably aren't going to make it to the SEC championship or, or to the playoff, even if they beat Georgia in the SEC title game. They're going to want to come in and embarrass you. And they know that the last few times they've been in that building, 17, 19, 21, Oh, you could go back to thirteen, go back to oh nine. Most of the times they've been in that building as a program, it hasn't gone well for them. It hasn't gone easy. It hasn't gone smoothly for them. And they would love nothing more than to just kind of tamp down. Hey, Auburn might be coming back. Auburn might be rebuilding. They might they might be heading in the right direction again. They would love to kind of put a, a punch a hole in that. And uh, you got You got to rally. You got to rally from there. And I, I don't think it's going to be motivation or effort or focus this week. Um, but again, a lot of the execution stuff and a lot of the a lot of the you problems in this game of not playing good football. It only gets tougher from here because Alabama is a much better team than New Mexico State is. Give New Mexico State their flowers. They're not Alabama. And I, and I wonder, I mean, I, I think you, you made reference to the New Mexico State win last year. I know people have pointed out uh, there, there, there are other losses in Hugh Freeze's career where it seemed like he had a considerable talent advantage and, and did not win the game. Like I, I do wonder if that's something that will become that threatens to become a theme over his tenure. The fact is you got to have considerably more talent than your opponent a lot before you even worry about that kind of problem. But it is a loss. If this were the first time anything like this had ever happened to Hugh Freeze, um, I, I think it would be easier to dismiss it. But if you lose, you know, I don't know how many games you need to lose as a 20-point favorite as a head coach before you develop the reputation as a guy who might lose a game as a 20-point favorite. This is the second year in a row. Hugh Freeze has been a third year in a row. Thank you, Justin. That Hugh Freeze has been a 20-point favorite in a game and has lost that game outright. Uh, you know, that's that's not something you want becoming a trend. Uh, regardless of how the program is going, because that's, uh, yeah, that 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 could 
that could lead to more losses that uh, endanger goodwill among the fan base. Painter, final thoughts on this game from the, from this New Mexico State game. I know we've said a lot here, but you know, heading into the Iron Bowl, looking at again, this is one we're just. I think we're going to look back for a while and be like, "Wow, that was really bad and really weird." Where do you think? Where do you? How do you fit on all of this? Because I don't think this derails everything you've done this year. Obviously, recruiting isn't going to be derailed because of this, and that's going to be the lifeblood of the rebuild. But where where do you sit? I would reiterate your point from earlier. I don't think it's an either or situation. It is okay to be frustrated and even embarrassed at the way Auburn played. It is also okay to point out that in two years when Auburn is ranked inside the top 10 or top 15 because Hugh Freeze and his staff have done a good job recruiting and built up a respectable roster that will likely beat some other good teams who are also ranked, don't be surprised. Yeah, I, I'll say I'll say this as well. Like you can, you and opinions are split. Obviously, on 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 Hugh Freeze among the fan base, it has been from the day he was hired. I'll say this: you as an Auburn fan, I'm not going to tell you what to think, but you as an Auburn fan can still say, "Hey, I think Auburn has improved this year." Hey, I still think Auburn's heading in the right direction. Hey, I, I still think that. You know, with some tweaks this offseason and some moves and some changes, this team could be a lot better next year and be more like what we expect Auburn to be in this new era of college football. You can believe all those things and think all those things and, and, and know that in the grand scheme of things, a loss like this to Mexico State just only is just a bad, embarrassing one-off loss. You can admit all those things and just be like, hey, yeah, what happened on Saturday sucked. <laughs> it was really bad. And... There's no need to kind of explain it away. It was bad. You lost. It's not the end of the world, but it could be really problematic moving forward if things don't get fixed and things don't change. And obviously, we know this offseason, Auburn's going to have to fix it and Auburn's going to have to change what what's going on uh, because you can't lose games like this uh, in this fashion and expect to um you know have the goodwill of the fan base for for long t- for for a long time that's that's just the bottom line um and again like i said at the beginning recruiting is not going to fix everything for for what you're what you had what you struggled with yesterday because you did have better players than that team and and you still got worked by them and that's that's the thing that's going to be really 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 uh really tough all right dan's going to tag out here dan the game will already be over or close to over by the time we do this, but have a great call later later today. We will talk to you later this week to preview the Iron Bowl. Painter and I are going to jump into some jump into some basketball after uh, after a word from our sponsors. Folks, if you like this podcast and it'd be probably tough to love this podcast for the first forty or so minutes of it, uh, you can uh, you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer and get more of it each week. Uh, you do we have twice as much of this main show. Um, cause we do our preview. So later this week, we will preview the iron bowl. Uh, we'll also talk some more Auburn basketball on that one as well. Um, and you can get that if you subscribe to the observer, $6 a month or $60 a year, uh, get you access to everything we got going on. Appreciate it. Uh, I'll say this. I've been in New York this week and we'll talk about basketball here shortly. Got to hear from and see some folks who are subscribers, by the way, shout out to shout out to, uh, Wes and Ashley and my boy, Jake. Uh, for uh, letting us stay up here in New York, um, Wes is a Wes is a big time supporter and listener, and uh, really really appreciate uh, us letting uh, letting us 
stay up here because I don't know if you know this painter, New York's really expensive. They don't let you just stay anywhere for, for, for cheap up here. It's uh it's, it, it's pretty pricey. It's outrageous folks, but uh, we, we admire the Auburn grads that were there that were in support. I know some of you were there because you told me and uh, you know, I think you were, you were rewarded for your efforts. Although given the walkability of New York, I'd like to point out that it's pretty easy to get to where you need to go. So shout out to uh, that city for allowing that to happen. But yeah, I mean, what a, I mean, complete 180 from what we just spent a bunch of time talking about. I, I, you know, this offseason, I, I sort of oscillated between Auburn, like overachieving and, and maybe finishing like third or fourth in the league. But I was admittedly doing some like orange and blue lens convincing. I don't think I believed it with my sure. whole heart. And I was like, yeah, this team may wind up in that five, six, seven range this year. And look, they might because the league's that good. But but it is easier through this early portion of the season to feel pretty good about what the team has and that maybe that third or fourth spot in league play is more available to Auburn than I would have thought. Yeah. And, and shout out to those of you who made the, who, who were in attendance, shout out to the, the subscribers uh, that we shouted out, got to meet a few of you as well up here. Um, really, really cool. And uh, we, we uh, just peeking behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, a number of y'all signed up uh, for the observer this week uh, during these basketball games, which is really, really cool. Cause we're going to be, covering basketball full blast like we cover football full blast here uh at the observer uh auburnobserver.com six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year which means you get two free months uh included with your subscription if you just go ahead and pay the yearly also gift subscriptions you can give a month you can give a year you can set the time of wherever you want to give it um if you got a christmas party or christmas day or other holidays uh, that you want to, um, you know, give the gift of the observer for a hard to shop for Auburn fan. Go to auburnobserver.com slash gift all, on your way. All you need is their email address, and it's 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 perfect. You can get that. Painter, how else can the folks at home help us out? Rate us, review us, subscribe slash follow wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, right around the corner, Black Friday, which means we're here to tell you about the Black Friday deal. At homefieldapparel.com, Homefield Apparel, the number one place to buy collegiate apparel. We're talking vintage logos on the most comfortable t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, um, joggers, hats, you know, bomber jackets, you name it. Uh, Homefield's got it. And uh, Homefield has uh, has a huge deal. This is their biggest deal of the year, 20% off with the promo code Black Friday. It is site-wide. The sale ends November 26th, so that is um, a week from when we are recording this. So get ready for the Black Friday Friday deal. You can go ahead and jump on it now. You're going to want to go ahead and put in those orders early because you don't want you don't want to put you don't want to put your lives in the in in the hands of the uh, United States Postal Service um, or or the delivery folks. You want to go ahead and make sure you get those gifts in. And so Black Friday is the promo code at homefieldapparel.com. Buy yourself some great Auburn gear, a lot of good Auburn basketball stuff in general, just Auburn football, baseball, um, university stuff in there. You can also get the official Auburn Observer t-shirt. Just search Auburn Observer at homefieldapparel.com. That is the promo code Black Friday. That ex- that that deal ends the Sunday after Thanksgiving, November 26th. So jump on it, order early, order often, uh, make sure you get, get those gifts in in time. All right, Painter, to the basketball. Um yeah, this was this was a couple of really really good wins for Auburn. Again, not perfect, but it, it does look like this Auburn team 
again, has, has improved and, and is heading in the right direction because, um, you know, hey, you beat Southeastern Louisiana, uh, a team that is not as good, I don't think, as Notre Dame or especially St. Bonaventure. You only beat them by 15 last Friday at home. You go on the road to, to Brooklyn and you beat Notre Dame by 24 and you beat St. Bonaventure by 17, more than you did in these last two games. This was a pretty impressive week for Auburn. Um, you know, not they didn't upset a ranked team. They're not going to like. There's no guarantee that either of these teams are going to make the NCAA tournament. I, I think Notre Dame's got a very big uphill battle to do that, and say Bonaventure will try to get in the mix out of the A10 this year. Um, but this, both of those games, Notre Dame and the St. Bonaventure game, you played teams that were thinner than you. That had to that had to you know place only just six seven eight guys and weren't very confident in their depth, and Auburn just said, "Hey, we got ten. We're rolling deep with ten, and we're going to lean on that as hard as as hard as we can and get the win that way." And I'm telling you, the deeper we get into the season, Painter, the more that is going to be a weapon because teams just aren't built like this. According to Kempon right now, Auburn is tenth in the country in bench minutes, forty three point five percent of their bench. Uh, their their minutes are being played by guys who don't get the start. That leads all power conference teams. Not very many teams are doing are doing this uh, in in college basketball this year. The opponents they've played of late, it's been a mixture of solid teams. To obviously the Baylor team is probably a pretty good one that that they lost to. It is a lot of fun though to watch the team reel off some wins. Um, it is such a reversal from from what Auburn fans. I want to say dealt with because Auburn won more than 20 games, made the tournament, won a tournament game. Credit has to be given for those things, which for mm-hmm. most of Auburn's history in basketball were, were all huge uh, milestones. But at this point, something does feel different. Yeah, 100%. And in, in this offense, this offense is a lot of fun. Not perfect. Sometimes they'll get in some turnover issues and, and you know, went cold in the second half against St. Bonaventure. They slowed down the tempo of the game. A little bit wasn't able to kind of take advantage of the turnovers they were forcing. Uh, St. Bonaventure just played a cleaner game in the second half of that one, uh, but they never really truly threatened. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as of right now, Auburn through two weeks of the season, it's early. You know, you still got to keep it up. Auburn is a top forty team in the country right now at shooting three pointers. That has not, Auburn has not been anywhere close to that number since the Final Four season. You know, they came really close. If they wouldn't have cooled off as much in the second half on offense, they came really close to dropping 80 again. We talked about it. Three three games to start the year scoring 80 points. First time that's happened since the Final Four year. Three games period in a row with eight or more points. Last time that happened was right before Auburn was ranked number one in the country. It's a good omens because this offense, Bruce Pearl said it all offseason. Like, he felt like this offense was going to take a step forward. This team was going to be a better shooting team. And I think the big thing, Painter, that stood out to me is that, you know, game one, this this Notre Dame game, Aiden Holloway goes nuts. Trey, Trey Donaldson goes nuts. I mean, those are two great, efficient, pure, you know, shooting, scoring, shot creating, shot, you know, playmaking games from your from your young point guards on offense. Game two, neither of those guys were really big factors in the overall final box score. Aiden hit a couple shots. I think Trey hit a three as well. Um but it didn't matter because you got a lift from everybody else. And, you know, that first game, you look at Notre Dame, and I remember right after the Notre Dame game saying, hey, Auburn's shooting really well and playing well on offense. They still hadn't gotten a ton from Denver Jones yet. They still hadn't got a ton of shooting yet from Chad Baker-Mazzara. 
there's still room to improve. And then literally the next night, Denver Jones has one of the most efficient nights ever <laughs> that you'll ever see from a two guard because uh, he goes three for three from deep. You know, he only misses one shot in total and has a great day from the free throw line. Uh, and then Chad Baker-Mazar making some more impact plays. Katie Johnson had a great game of the two as well. It's like we've talked about some of how the best Auburn teams can pick each other up. Um, this team, I think, even more so than the last few, we've just seen that depth. Like it is good quality depth, and they feel like they can roll any combination of the five out there and feel like they can get some good good offense going. To piggyback off your point about picking one another up, I've, I've mentioned to some friends while talking about this. And look, I'm not at practices. I'm you know not at these games, so we try not to do too much body language reading or or you know things that we can't really effectively quantify. It does seem like though this team is very excited for one another. They seem to really like playing with each other. Uh, I see lots of celebrating between the, the the starters and guys who are coming off the bench of that game. I mean, you know, and it's early and, and lots of things can change, but it does seem like on top of having a more fun offense that's effective right now, the players are really playing for one another. And, and you know, that may not ultimately result in a championship, but it's a great start. Yeah, the chemistry is just a lot better. And and I'm not saying the team last season hated each other by any means. I'm not going to say that at all. I don't even think I would say they didn't get along. Um, I, I think they, uh, I think it was a good team that was close, but it's just, this team is just kind of, I don't know, they're clicking a lot more. Um, and you're seeing it on the floor and you're seeing it off the floor as well. A great example of that, Painter, game two against St. Saint Bonaventure. Auburn gets into the second half and Janai Broom just doesn't have it. Um, Struggles from the free throw line, which is something we've seen him do several times in his in his career. It's wasn't playing as well. Auburn turns it over to Dylan Cardwell. Cardwell had had some turnovers and had some had had a bad by his standard what he usually does. Not a great game one against Notre Dame in the in these Brooklyn games. Second game against St. Bonaventure, he goes perfect from the free throw line. He has changed his shot working with the shot coach. Um, you know, changed his free throw uh, form. Na- knocks down all those all those free throws and does well to the point where after the game so I'm on the floor at Barclays Center after the game and the team's celebrating and they're getting the trophy and yes it's a multi-team event where you were a double-digit favorite in both games you just took care of business you know not something to go crazy over the top for but they're celebrating they're having fun they've won two games away from home you know and and, and it's and it's you know a fun time and I watch, and I wrote about this on, on Saturday, I watch as a staffer ha- has to pull Janai Broom away and tap him on the shoulder and say, like, hey, come over here. You won tournament MVP. And he looked really shocked. And after the game, he was like, I had no idea it was going to be tournament MVP. And the first thing he says was, like, I, I did not play well in the second half. Of the, like, So my mind was not there at all. He said, Dylan played a lot better than me. My teammates played a lot better than me. That is great leadership. That is great humility. Bruce Pearl said it after after the game. When Dylan went off, to your point, uh, Painter, when Dylan went off towards the end of that game against St. Bonaventure and Janai was on the sidelines, Janai was his biggest cheerleader, and he was he was he was rooting hard for him. This is an all SEC guy that can be playing a ton of minutes. Nobody for Auburn's really average playing more than 24, 25 minutes a game. They are really balanced. They're sharing sharing the workload at all five positions, and it's really, really good. Um, you know, to see that and to that to to that point about, you know, just being happy for one another and 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 playing good basketball without necessarily worrying about who's out there and who's getting theirs 
again, I'm not saying it's been a problem for Auburn recently, but it's just it it is very apparent that this team is just built like that. They 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 are they're very unselfish. The final minute of the first half against St. Bonaventure, unreal basketball from Auburn. Three, Jalen Williams hits a windmill dunk that is one of the best I've seen in a game that anybody hits from Auburn. Denver Jones hits a good uh, three with great ball movement down the down the stretch. Eight points in a minute. Janibri wasn't on the floor. They had Jalen Williams running small ball five, trying to take advantage of the fact that St. Bonaventure might not have been as fleet of foot uh, with the lineup that they were running at that point in time. Um Again, if you can do those things where it's like you have this two deep rotation, and at times you can throw Jalen Williams at the five, you could throw Chris Moore at the four, you could play Denver Jones at the three, you can move pieces around and try some different stuff, and it still works. I think it just shows you what the potential of this team could be because the offense is is phenomenal. The offense is doing really, really well, even when they're not hitting all their shots and it's not like 70.8% of their uh field goals this year have been assisted. That is fifth best in the country. This is ball movement at a super, super high level. No, they have not played a murderer's row of talent yet. Yes, I expect that number to go down. It went down in the second half against St. Bonaventure. But the the balance and the ball movement of this team is just, it's special. It is different. And like I said earlier, you look at scoring 80 points in three straight games, how the last team that did that was the team that went number one and you know won the SEC title. The last team to do that in the first three games of the year was the Final Four team. I'm not saying they're going to reach those marks. It's going to take a lot to reach those marks, like you said, Painter. Like it's the league is really really tough, but it shows you that this offense has the potential of of creating a special season. They have that potential. They're showing that potential early, and um, like you said, Painter, like they're just it's just more fun. I know to watch for the for the average Auburn fan because. The ball movement is it was so grinded out last year. This this season it just looks completely different. Um, you look at the defense; like they still need to do a better job on the defensive glass. They need to defend without fouling. Neither of those were ended up being big problems in the long run against Notre Dame or St. Bonaventure. There were problems at times, but ended up not having a huge impact on the final score. Um, you know that could hurt you against better teams coming up, and Auburn's going to play some teams that are better coming up. I just do like. The defense, I mean, they they clamped down on Notre Dame in that second half. Um, you know, after the first two games of the year where they just had really struggled after halftime, defending on the other end of the floor. And they're showing an ability to adapt and get better and identifying the problems and tweaking them and adjusting and leaning on them early. Now, there are some things that they're going to have to get better at that are kind of bigger picture trends, like the rebounding, like the fouling. Um, but again, like, I think... The adaptability of this offense where anybody can be a weapon, anybody can can give you good minutes and, and, and good production and pick each other up. Even the guys like like right now, Chris Moore and Chaney Johnson aren't scoring much, but they're playing so well in other areas that you still need to get them on the floor and, and kind of get them in that rhythm and that groove. Um, you have a game where Aiden Holloway looks sort of human shooting the ball against St. Bonaventure for the first time, and doesn't really matter in this one like that's that's really special and that's an ability to adapt and adjust that you really like on offense I think Auburn's got that ability on defense I don't know if this is going to be an elite defensive team um, but they've got the potential to play really really well first half against Baylor second half against Notre Dame 
first half against St. Bonaventure too. Like they've put together some pretty impressive halves that long stretch against in the first half against Southeastern Louisiana as well. Um, they are heading, they are heading in the right direction and they're in an interesting time right now because the schedule sets up where, okay. So most of the time, these multi-team events happen during Thanksgiving week, feast week. It's the traditional, you know, you always get those during college basketball season. Auburn plays it a week early this year, and that means Tuesday night they will play Alabama A&M. Alabama A&M, on paper, might be the easiest team they play all year. It'll be either them or Alabama State. Um, Auburn is projected on Kim Palm to win by 33. Like, that's that's the type of team you're, you're coming up against here on Tuesday night. But you get that game on Tuesday night, and then you don't play again for, you know, another eight days until you play Virginia Tech in the uh, in the ACC-SEC Challenge. Um, you get Thanksgiving as a team. That's rare. It's rare to be able to, you know, have that freedom, that flexibility. You get extra time to prepare for Virginia Tech. And then you get a little run here where you play App State and Indiana and UNC Asheville all the way from home. You come back to play USC, and then you get that last little push before uh, conference play begins. There's potential for them to get in a rhythm and get on a roll here. Um, Auburn is projected to be the better team in all of these games between now and, you know, uh, honestly, on paper, they would probably be projected favorites in all of these games coming up. I'm not saying they win all of them, but they've got a chance to get on a really good run here. And I think the schedule, the way it's set up, has been pretty favorable. You get that tough test early against Baylor. You identify what you what you need to work on and what you need to fix. And now they can get in a groove and they can start rolling a little bit. Um, I'm not expecting, like, this is kind of the time where we preview what happens against Auburn and Alabama A&M. Um, I know full and well we we started this podcast talking about a team losing as a really big favorite, but this still feels like a different animal just because the gap between SEC basketball and SWAC basketball is just is just massive. And, like, Auburn's not playing Texas Southern. They're playing Alabama A&M, which, Credit, like full credit, like uh, Auburn is playing Alabama A&M and Alabama State. They're keeping those paycheck games at home. I think that's awesome. I think that's a, a, that's a great thing to do for sure. Um, but like, you know, you take care of business. Crowd's probably not going to be super strong in this one because it is Thanksgiving week. And then you get some rest and, 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 and get that extra time to prepare for Virginia Tech at a time where a lot of teams in college basketball are going to be playing some really tough schedules here uh, coming up. Um, I just... It, it just feels like, especially going out and taking care of business in these back-to-back games in Brooklyn, it feels like just everything's really set up for Auburn to continue to kind of keep this momentum rolling from early early in the year. And, like, the the, the vibes can continue to stay high, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you've uh, pointed out a few times that that Baylor team that Auburn played pretty well against in a losing effort will likely be uh, the best team they play, at least away from home, for a while. Yeah, Baylor doesn't really get super tested for a while. They play Michigan State and Duke uh, in December, but like, yeah, they're they're pounding everybody they're playing right now. Um, and they get, you know, they get Oregon State. I don't know who's on the other side of that bracket uh, coming up, but um, hey, some news: uh, Bruce Pearl letting it letting it slip. You know, he probably I say let it slip. That means it says he probably wasn't supposed to do it, but anyway. Uh, saying that Auburn is going to play back in the Bahamas a battle for Atlantis in two years. Next year, Auburn is in Maui. Uh, and that's a credit to you, the fan, uh, Auburn fans, um, for traveling. 
I mean, obviously, if you're in the New York area, you it was easier for you to go to these these games and 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 workable and um, Auburn. I'll tell you that St. Bonaventure game. I was fully expecting St. Bonaventure to have a great crowd and, and outnumber Auburn. It was pretty even. It sounded pretty even for most of the game. Um, the Bonnies had a really good crowd on Thursday night, not as much on Friday night. I don't know why, but Auburn fans were showed up and got loud uh, in Brooklyn. That's a good sign. I mean, some of y'all showed up in South Dakota. Uh, you know, you, you Auburn when they go on the road in the SEC, they bring a great crowd. Wherever they go, they have a good crowd, better than most. I think teams in this position would do because the excitement level and the buy-in and the passion for basketball is there. And congrats, Auburn fan. You have been able to make this happen because Auburn's going to play in Maui because they feel like Auburn's going to sell tickets in Maui. They're going to go back to the Bahamas because they know Auburn fans will go to the Bahamas. Auburn's playing in Atlanta and in Asheville. Or I'm sorry, not in Asheville. In Huntsville against Asheville. They're going to play in Boone. They're going to play in some of these places here because they know that fans will show up. And they're willing to willing to make these trips, and so um, really cool sign. Auburn's going to continue to play in these. You know, this year was not a big name event uh, compared to some of the other ones, uh, but this is still a good tournament. Um, and uh, you know, when they scheduled this, you probably thought Notre Dame and Oklahoma State were probably going to be better teams. Didn't happen, but you still beat St. Bonaventure. You'll have a shot to make the the NCAA tournament. Um, it's just a good sign. It's a good, it's a good commercial for the program, especially when you have Auburn fans show up in good numbers in Brooklyn and make their voices heard. So shout out to y'all. That was a, was a really, really good, uh, showing from everybody involved with Auburn basketball this week, uh, in Brooklyn and a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, once again, shout out to everyone who helped make this possible. If you're a subscriber to the observer, you helped make this possible. Uh, and, uh, we're going to continue my goal, hopefully, Fingers crossed is to make all the road games this year uh, for Auburn basketball. Um, that's the goal. That's the plan. We'll see if we can we can make it work. Um, I did miss covering the New Mexico State game football game, which wow, I didn't expect that to be the way it did uh, yesterday because of travel, and then of course uh, missed the home opener against Southeastern Louisiana because we were traveling to Arkansas. Hopefully, those are going to be the only two games I missed this year. Um, so if you want to continue to get that. You know, our coverage, our analysis, our, our work from on the ground in these places, uh, including all the home games for Auburn, subscribe. $6 a month or $60 a year. We appreciate you very, very much. And all of you who are subscribers, thank you so much. And uh, really appreciate all the kind words and the shout-outs and uh, getting to meet some of y'all up here in Brooklyn. Always is really cool to kind of kind of cross paths with y'all, even though, as Painter will tell you, I am not a person who uh, who does well in public settings with strangers. I'm just not, uh, but uh, that that's Painter's job. He's the he's the he's the politician of the group. All right, that'll do it for Dan Peck, who had to step away. We'll be back later this week. Uh, we will preview the Iron Bowl. We will talk Auburn, Alabama, and M on the basketball front as well. We will preview the Iron Bowl. We will continue to have coverage at AuburnObserver.com newsletters. Um, I'll go ahead and tell you, uh, Auburn fans. Uh, Monday, the Monday newsletter will be basketball uh, because I have been up here in Brooklyn. And honestly, I wrote everything I think you could possibly write about that New Mexico State game in the observations. Um, there's like tough to analyze anything more than that. You just got whooped in all three phases. So we'll have some basketball on Monday. We'll have some football throughout the week. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of cool stuff happening uh, this week at the Observer. And as we roll on into December, uh, for those of you who won't be joining us on our uh, on our podcast later in the week. Happy Thanksgiving to all, all of you. Hope hope you get to spend it with friends and family. 
And uh, that'll do it for me. Paying your final thoughts. Real quick, what was your favorite meal in New York? Oh, man, great question. Great question. Um, so I have taken several trips to New York uh, before, and I've done all the touristy things. Uh, my fiance, who came on this trip with me, loves New York. Big New York fan. Just can't get enough of it. I'm not a big city person. I have done all the touristy things. And the way the schedule kind of broke down up here, you know, Thursday, Auburn plays at night. Friday, Auburn plays at night. Um, Saturday, Auburn plays during the day. I haven't done a ton of stuff um, kind of going around around town, and I've kind of seen a lot of it. There was a one exception, though. Um, and uh, I don't know if – I don't think I even told you this, Mayor. Um, I – or we, I should say, got to go. We went to Little Italy, the real one, not the one in Auburn. Um, we went to Little Italy and met up with our boy, friend of the friend of the program, and dear dear friend of everything we've ever done here, going back to our radio days, Josh Vitale, uh, who lives right right uh, right outside of New York. Uh, he was coming into town because he was flying into flying to uh, to Denver for the week for the weekend. And he said, "Hey, let's let's meet up for lunch." So, Josh Vitale, um, the classic Italian, uh, we went to uh, an Italian place in Little Italy, and I am going to absolutely butcher this name. So, just get get ready for this. Um, I want to say it's oh man, it's P U G L I A S. Painter, how would you pers- how would you pronounce that? Uh, your guess is as good as mine, brother. I want to say Puglia. I want to say that. Enough. It's an institution in little, in Little Italy. It's been around for a, a long, long time. Um, we went. It was fantastic. Um, I, if you follow me on Instagram, I put a I put a picture of it up up, up on my story. Um, they had their the on their menu. I was just looking because they had every Italian thing I've ever heard of in my life, like on the menu. And I was like, I don't know what to get. Like, I, I love so many different kind of kind of dishes. There was one line though. It said. Our famous uh, rigatoni uh, in, with vodka sauce, and I was like, "Well, if you said it was famous, and you and, you, and you're you're giving me the hard sell here, I have to I have to go do it." I had it phenomenal, just off the charts, one of the best pasta things I've ever had in my life, and just the fact that you can just walk into a place in in New York and just get that. Look, New York, all of you who live in up here, I uh, I I don't envy you because. You have to put up with a lot of stuff that I couldn't handle um, on a day-to-day basis. But the fact that y'all are this close to like any good food that you would ever want is I'm envious of that. So I'm envious of being able to get that kind of posture. So shout out to whatever that place is named. Shout out to Josh Vitale and uh, shout out, shout out to Lily. I won't say a ton of nice things about New York because I'm just I I am not built for this. I, I do not have that dog in me when it comes to <laughs> comes to surviving New York. Uh, but shout out shout out to New York and uh, shout out to all, all all the all the inner circle members up here. <laughs>